All right, guys. Our next guest is an all-time fan favorite, known for some of the most exciting fights in UFC history. He now takes on Benil Dariush at UFC 262, which finally will have fans in attendance. The former interim UFC lightweight champion himself, Tony Elkakui Ferguson. Welcome back to Submission Radio, man. It just always feels too long since the last time we've spoken to you. No shit, right? Check it out, man. I hope you guys had a good year, Saul. It's good to have you back. Uh, UFC 262 in Houston, man. Um, I don't know if you guys are going to be in attendance, but I know about 17,000 other fans are going to be there. Fucking mm-hmm. amp, dude. I know. Very exciting. We're not going to be in attendance, um, but we're going to get our Tony Ferguson fix right now uh, until you obviously fight. Man, there's a lot to talk about. Before we actually talk about the Benil fight itself, uh, it looks like you've made a lot of changes in your life and your team since the last fight, including now working with the the legendary Freddie Roach. Tell us, when did you decide to bring Freddie into your team and, and how did this come together, Tony? Well, I've always been at Wildcard. I've always found myself at a structured boxing gym. Uh, MMA gyms are kind of hard to come by. And when I first moved out here uh, to Orange County, Mark Munoz's gym was really solid and it was cool. And then I decided to kind of do my own thing. Uh, shit, we went on about a 12-fight win streak, which is really nice. Uh, 2020, things you can't handle, you know what I mean? Like, no, you know, the pandemic, the change of locations, opponents, change to nap a motherfucker that doesn't want to fight. You know, obviously, in Khabib. Um, little things like that can change your mood i guess you would say for the fight game for myself i had to take a look at it more than just the varsity outlook um you heard uh kamara Usman, who's been using the term varsity mentality and it's not about like oh he jacked my swag or anything like that more than anything else more it's a compliment to to a certain level of athletes that understand that it takes a certain mentality to get to a certain level and to stay there at that level um i've been around a lot of veterans and they told they always told us all the same thing they're like you know uh you know, you you pay attention to the game and you got to grind. Once you get comfortable in this grind, you start to lose a little bit. And I never got comfortable in this grind, but I think the homeostasis and the, and the conditioning of others that I was trying to surround myself around weren't as conditioned as I was. And nothing to them. It's just, I'm just, you know, I'm me. And my conditioning is just a lot stronger than a lot of other people's. When it comes to mental part too, I make my I make myself clutch and I make myself reliable. So that way... My family can count on it and the businesses around me can count on it. Last year, it had nothing to do with coaches or anything else. That was like, seriously, I take all the fault and all my blame on it. But the two losses that I had, I'm going to be real with you guys from Submission Radio in the world, it was the best learning experience I probably could have ever had and the best thing that was for me and my family. Now, chasing after a guy like Khabib and then trying to get the fight and then you know, not getting the fight and then having interim belts dangled in front of you, the game is what it is. You can't get mad at the game. But how you play the game is exactly how you can your approach, and that's what I did for this year. I completely changed my approach. Added, I went to instead of a varsity mentality, I went back to an Olympic mentality, and I started surrounding myself around people that were hungry, how I am, and how they've been for a long time. And I started to find myself over a wild card a lot easier because that's where I knew where I could find that kind of grind. Um, if you ever been in a boxing ring. It's, or in a cage, it's a completely different feeling. In a boxing ring, you got equipment that's going to be able to like keep you, you know, keep your grip and everything else that's in there. And without shoes and everything, without those equipments, you know, in big boxing, it's different. It's a different perspective. And sometimes it's hard to be able to have somebody adopt that approach, you know, that presentation where it's kind of like, okay, yes, we're not boxing, we're doing MMA, and and I didn't, I haven't had that problem for a long time. 
But what I still needed to do was learn how to mix it up. So in the structure that I found over at Wildcard Boxing with Coach Freddie Roach, and then you have uh, Coach Marvin Samorio, and you have uh, Coach Pepe O'Reilly and my teammates, it's very structured and it's very cool how they have it. And it's, it's, it's awesome, man. It's not worried about like what song's next on the radio or, or, or you know, not that was the case ever anywhere, but it's, it's really cool, man. You got, you got amateurs, you have pros and you have an Olympians and you have a different look at everything, but the grind is still the same. It does not fucking change. And it's nice to be around that because that's structure. And for the longest time, I had to structure myself, and I did that, and especially with balancing everything. What's cool is being able to have the perspective of my coaches and my team to be able to understand the game of martial arts as a whole. And it's been really nice, man. I'm going to be real. It's a really cool approach to how uh, my trainers and training partners at Wildcard, and even in general, my new training partners now, how the perspective is and getting the reps in. Like I said, last year, I, I had to care about a lot of other people's happiness before myself to make sure other people were good. Getting sports backed on, making sure that, you know, the businesses and everything else, that, you know, my sponsors and everything were secure and making sure that this year we were going to make the numbers matter. Making sure that the UFC, if they needed a whole fill it in for a gap, you know, I'm there, I'm the clutch. I'm that clutch. Mm-hmm. So, a bit. Yeah, it, it, it's obviously a legendary gym. Freddie Reich, such a legend. Uh, coached so many uh, successful champions. And I also saw GSP was in the gym with you as well, man. Take this, take us into that for a second. Um, what was it like training with George uh, and Freddie over at Wildcard? What was that session like? Well, I try not to... I try not to sample from too many people. You got to remember, George was at 170 pounds when I was knocking everybody out at 170 pounds. So when I got to see George, it was a humbling moment. It was kind of like, oh man, you're like that. You're the mark that I was going after. You're that target. Or it was a completely different approach in respects to be able to be around somebody. Not everybody's like talking about goat, right? I'm always talking about boat, which is best of all time. They call me the boat, and he's a boat too. He's a good dude. He's very humble. He's, he's, his approach to the game is very uh, Bushido-like. Like a code that's, you know what I mean? There's no written really code for it, but it's out there. And it's a, it's a gentleman chivalry type of thing. And it was nice to be around, especially around an academy like a wild card. And didn't really practice with him, but I got to, got to talk to him for a little bit. And like I said, he's all class. And same thing with Ben Asper. Ben's got a fight coming up. Didn't really train with Ben, but... Uh, Got to be able to talk a little bit, which is really nice, man. And it's a teamwork, it's a teamwork thing, man. And it's really cool because only uh, superheroes don't really hang out with superheroes unless it's uh, really necessary. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it was like watching the Justice League. Because I was going to ask, I remember back in the day when you used to speak to us, you mentioned <clears throat> maybe one day you'd move up to welterweight. Was that at all a, a thought in your mind before sort of signing this fight with Ben Yell, maybe coming back and fighting at welterweight? Or was it always going to be lightweight for you? No, man, you know what I mean. I mean, so in college, I wrestled 165 pounds and I won nationals. And then uh, the next year, I ended up going and uh, hurting one of our wrestlers. And I had to bump up two weight classes because everybody else was chicken shit. So as a captain of the team and how I've always been, I bumped up two weight classes, giving up, I don't know how much fucking weight. Ended up wrestling John Jones, losing by one point. You know, after 15 national duels. And, you know, I mean, like, it's different when it comes down to it. So I don't know how to explain it. 
No, I, I understand what you're saying, Tony. Um, one thing that I found very interesting, you put out a long post on Instagram saying, I used to, I used to not get hit, uh, then I changed things up a bit. Right. Uh, had to figure it out right, after getting right, hit right. more and more each fight, decided not to take any more unnecessary damage, made the mandatory changes, promised right. my faith, family, friends, I would not take the damage like the last few fights. I think that's very key, right? Perfect. Because people associate you with this, you know, really entertaining, but also wild and, and crazy style. Um, and now it seems like you're really switching things up. When when did you decide that you needed to really make the change and, and what what brought that on? Well, I think that pioneers, when it comes down to it, into style, people are always going to think it's either weird, and then it turns in a couple of years later, like, oh, it might kind of different, and then all of a sudden, oh shit, that guy's a genius. And I think we've all noticed that how the trends and how I've taken my stuff from captions to everything else, how other businesses like to sample from it. Now, when the terms casual and hardcore and those kind of things, you know, like that. You know, I'm a trendy, pretty fucking dude. You know what I mean? I don't mean to be, but a lot of people like my stuff, and I don't mean to be. But out of that, it takes a lot of big responsibility to be able to not put bullshit and not fucking set a standard so low that people don't have anything to work for. Like I said, I don't really chill with too many people, man, because I'm always fucking working. I'm always doing the damn thing. But when I had to take a look at the drawing board and the numbers weren't making sense... I had to do something about it, and I did. I made a very business, very big boy business CSO. That's a chief security officer for Camp Shinomi. I made a big boy decision to make sure that this company is going to stay fucking floating like a boat. And I did. And where we're at right now is I'm hungry as fuck. And I haven't had the love for the game in a minute. And I'm going to be real. I haven't even sparred yet, and I'm getting that fucking hunger just being around it over at fucking Wildcard. And even boxing is looking more and more tempting to me because I got good coaches and I got good trainers and I'll probably make a shitload more doing that. Because for what I do and how much I get paid, it's not shit nearly enough. I just barely got an insurance bill paid from my fight over in Jacksonville. I'm not even trying to bitch about it. And I sent my bill back and forth over and over and over again throughout the year. And I was the one that was clutched that one got the fucking sport back on with, with Justin Gaethje and a lot of other people. It wasn't just me. But damn it, I'm bleeding everywhere else and getting my bones crushed and all this other shit and sitting in the hospital where my wife is crying her ass off and we're trying to figure out what the fuck if I'm going to have to have surgery or not. And my fucking bill won't get paid? No, we got issues now. That's so, Tiny, the, the UFC didn't pay... The UFC didn't, sorry to interrupt, uh, so the UFC didn't pay your bill, the, the, the bill from from the fight? Well, that's what I'm saying. So what happened, like, last year, when it comes to, like, a lot of these, like, like not insecurities, when it comes to, like, a lot of these things that you're counting on getting taken care of, it's a little bit hard to, like, you know what I mean? Well, I did make a phone call to the highest one, right? Check this out. And it got hammered quick. And that's what I can count on, because they, they didn't tell me. They were like, you know, if you have a problem with us, you know, anything like that, you're our guy, you get to come to us. So, I, you know, I trusted... A lot of middlemen to handle shit in my life. And what I found out to be was that what I got really good at was handling business on my own self and learning the game. Now, I'm not an agent, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a manager, but I like to take fighters and if they're, they need help and they go and they come to me and they work and they get their feedback underneath them and they can grow, that's awesome because that's, that's, pay, that's pay, paying it forward. That's how somebody did it for me. Now, I'm glad that, like, seriously, the UFC, when, when they took care of my stuff, I haven't had a bill since then. 
but it takes communication. Mm-hmm. And instead of me getting all freaky and whining about it, I fucking do it. I made a phone call. I texted. I was open about it. Handled it like a professional, and they did it really well. But it took me to be able to speak up and to do that. That's my guys that I work with. And to not be all upset and throw a big-ass hit for it. So, like I said, you know, thank you guys for taking care of that because I work really hard. I work really hard to try to do what I do. And it's not easy. You do what I do. Run a full academy. You know, I'm shit. I mean, there's other people that do a lot more than me. Trust me, I'm not there. Okay. But the little things that we shouldn't have to worry about are the things that should be counted on. Yeah, it's interesting because when Ben's discussing this boxing match, Tony, um, I think he disclosed it might be one of the biggest paychecks or the biggest paycheck of his career. I'm just wondering, I know you mentioned boxing just before. When you're seeing Ben box, uh, Jake Paul and, you know, Logan Paul boxing Floyd Mayweather and what uh, Trill's doing out there, is it very likely that you might even look at possibly being on the next card if there's a good opportunity that presents itself? Well, that's what I was discussing with my wife. You know, I say, you know, I just, there's a lot of different opportunities and ways that I can take my my profession, whether it's being, you know, I'm a master trainer what I do. Now, going back and putting a degree behind it and just going in a different way, yes, that's a whole different thing. It's very intellectual how I can go and how in different many directions I can take my, my career path and which, which ways I've opened up different pathways because I've worked my ass off and I was clutched during certain situations. Like, I don't like to sit around and don't do shit. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm competing and anytime I want to compete, like the fight with Benil, it's a great fight. I, I, let's talk about Benil. You know, the guy's up yeah. and coming, not up and coming. No, gee, dude, he's been, you know, been doing, the, doing the game for a long time. He's over at Huntington Beach with, with Rafael Cordero. He's a southpaw. He's very, very strong on his left side. He's very, he's very game mixing it up. So that's why I've been mixing my shit up because it got too one-dimensional. When you get to one dimension, you start to plateau. And as a trainer, as a master trainer, you should be able to realize that and then understand that, make some changes, and then be able to get your athlete back on the same program, which was not peaking, but steadily increasing. Paying attention to the smaller details is always going to make the best things. And Benil and their team, they got a shitload of people over there helping them out. They got like an Ultimate Fighter team. It feels like I'm back on the Ultimate Fighter, guys. It really does. <laughs> I've got like, what, how many people? We had like eight and eight. We had like 16 people. So I got like 15 or 14 and one. Something like that. 15 and one. It's crazy. It's awesome though. Because I did really well when that happened. Because there was only a select few that were with me. It's the same thing when you're going out there in a wrestling match, in a finals match. You don't have so many people with you. You just need the people that are counting on you because it's you that's fucking hitting those matches, those those single legs, the outside low singles, the sweep singles. The high seat, the duck unders, the snap downs, you know, boom, taking the back, letting them go, understanding that, that the point systems. When you can do that, you can outwork your opponent. And right now, I'm hungry as fuck. And I'm back out. I'm really back on it, man. And I'm mixing it up really, really well better than a fucking blender. <laughs> nice. I wasn't, ex- I wasn't expecting that right at the end. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, when it comes to Benil, what do you think? Because you fought, you know, some of the best guys, some of the, um, you know, most well-known guys in lightweight history. When you look at his skill set, what do you think he brings to you as, as far as a challenge? He's a good fighter, man. I'm going to be real. He's solid. You can't overlook Benil. Um, I'm fucking I'm strong as fuck, though. I'm solid, too. The other day I was pushing the truck back and forth down like the fucking alley the other day. And my buddy was just like, I didn't even stop. It was crazy. I'm on a different level right now. I'm staying consistent with it. 
Benio, he's going to be doing his thing, man. I guarantee you he's going to be working his ass off. But it's not going to change what I'm doing. I'm back on it like how before everybody knew me before Ultimate Fighter. Like you guys didn't know shit. What you guys yeah. knew was me walking super fucking checking everybody out and taking notes on everybody. So now it's different. Now I'm focused. I'm honing in. I get to be determined on what everything is I have learned. My past coaches like Greg Nelson, Eric Paulson, and uh, I just talked to Coach Brock you know, more recently. You know, and remembering what Coach Comprito told me and a lot of people, a lot of things that come from the Ultimate Fighter is what's going to get me through this shit. Wait, you talked to Brock? Is in Brock Lesnar recently? Yeah, Coach. That's my coach. I didn't realize you guys still chat. Yeah, that's my coach, man. Like, people are like, well, you, you walk around like a Ronin and you do all this other shit. I'm like, fuck you. Pay me. Just because I don't fucking blurt out everybody's names and fucking tell you who I know and who I'm associated with? Nah, dog, I keep that special. I keep that in the dark. For sure, Tony. And by the way, a little bit, part of us is a little bit disappointed that you're not one of the coaches for the ultimate fight. And not that Ortega and Volkanovski isn't a great season, but it would have been great to see you have your own team. And I'm sure in the future that might be a possibility. Let's talk about what's on the line in this fight, though, because obviously there's a bit on the line in terms of stakes. Um, How do you feel about this fight? And do you feel like there's sort of a do-or-die fight for you in terms of keeping your spot in the division as a title contender. Do you feel the pressure mm-hmm. of this fight, or for you, is it a completely different situation? Absolutely not. I went up against one of the strongest grapplers in the division in a Charles Oliveira. Gave an up-and-coming uh, kid that was hungry as fuck, kind of like a Mr. T, the chance. He's very eager in, in, in trying to get in the armbar and the finish in the first round. He's not ready for a five-round against Chandler. Um, Chandler, same thing with him. Uh, he's got a good coach in Henry Hoof, but when you, when you break it down and you do the numbers and you do the math, and uh, I'm really good at watching film. I'm really good at tracking. I passed on how to track really good when I was younger, so now it's different. So putting in the numbers in the reps and exactly what you got to do, and like my boy Cameron Haynes over there and, 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 uh, and Goggins, those guys always tell me, like, make your reps count. So it's we're cut from a different clock, and I understand this. So keeping that edge is what's going to get me through this battle. Yeah, hundred percent. And I want to touch on something you said. You mentioned Charles Oliveira isn't ready for a five-round fight. Uh, but just quickly, before I ask you that, I've got to remind everybody: uh, if you've got the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, you're grooming yourself. You're nice and smooth all over. You're aerodynamic. Make sure to get their new cologne, the refined cologne, the Manscaped signature scent. It's nice and light. It's approachable. It's gentlemanly, much like Tony Ferguson. It's uh, apparently the scent is calm and inviting, with a citrus burst, with a woody mask finish who doesn't want to smell like that's got a, a beautiful bottle it's hyperallergenic it's vegan uh and so that's obviously very good for your skin if you have horrendous skin and eczema like myself and now uh, manscaped are giving you 20 percent off not just the cologne but entire site range you can get the manscaped lawnmower 3.0 the best grooming tool on the market you can get uh the nose hair trimmers or you can get all their other uh ball wipes and ball ranges the f- uh, the crop duster which is how to make your feet smell nice and um, they're just giving it away with a, with a cheeky discount. So use the code SUBMISSION and get your 20% off. Isn't that right, Dennis? Yeah, man. It's one of those things where you just got to do it, gentlemen. If you don't have one in your bathroom, what are you doing with yourself? They're the official sponsor of Submission Radio, but really they get us through the week. Uh, one of the best companies out there. Make sure you jump on it now. And speaking of great companies, Cast The Ridge. I mean, you have that wallet up there right now. And for everybody who doesn't know, that bad boy holds up to 12 cards plus room for cash, over 30 colors, including carbon 
fiber and burnt titanium. And this thing is so good, man. It's got 40,000 five-star reviews. Also, they're not, they just only do wallets cast. You can jump on there right now. You can check out some other products. What about right now? Everybody's traveling the weekend duffel bag right here. Look at that. I've just moved back so you guys can check it out. You guys can get 10% off all their goods on their website today. Um, there's always new products coming out. What about the new aluminium and titanium bolt action pans that are coming to the website as well? Go to ridge.com forward slash submission now and use code submission. Get 10% off. And Cass, there are just so many fights coming up between Ben Asker and between Robert Whitaker fighting. You can watch any sport and make money off it with MyBookie. That's at mybookie.ag. Um, you jump on there right now and sign up with the promo code SUBMISSION to take advantage of up to a $1,000 bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code SUBMISSION to grab yourself a free cash bonus on top of free bets and boosted odds. Ben Askren and Jake Paul, it's the fight that uh, people are sort of looking forward to um, and no one can stop talking about. And you don't want to miss that out on my bookie. And of course, the Robert Wicker, Kevin Gaston fight. Bet anytime on anything, anywhere with my bookie cast. I love it. Make some cash. But going back to the question that I wanted to ask, Tony, you mentioned that Charles Oliveira isn't ready for five rounds. Um, obviously, those guys are fighting on the same card as yourself. How do you see that fight going? Um, do you feel like Charles is sort of, you know, ready for Michael Chandler, what he brings? I don't No comment. Well, no comment. I'm ready for that fight, though. So it's a title fight, right? Yeah. You're going to give these boys a title fight? I fucking went through all the bullshit in the fucking world. Fuck you guys. I love you, too. Back at it. I love it. I love this game, right? Mm-hmm. So you know what? Like I said to in my other interview, you know what I mean? They're not just doing it to me, but they're doing it to other fighters and doing it to other people. It's not just me they're doing it to. But they had me and they got away with this, so they're doing it to other people and hoping I get away with it again. So like I said, I'm fighting my way through. I don't give a fuck too much about like what other people do because I have to worry about the juice that's left in the squeeze for my family. When I started worrying about way too many people, that made me deteriorate. It's crazy how that works. So this time I'm not doing it just for me, but I'm doing it for just my close family, like my close circle, my teammates. Mm-hmm. And those that really count to get to this spot. Like Submission Radio, I'll be real. Thank you guys for making this interview happen. No, I'm I do. We're back. Seriously, I'm, I'm really excited to be back. I I'm, I'm really am. Kind, kind of some normalcy, right? Kind of some normalcy. Mm. It's some crazy shit to be able to go and see the UFC and how things are from, from one instance to another and to keep on being with it to making sure that we're all doing our part. That we're all doing our part. That's why we signed up for this shit. So I'm, I'm fucking all, I feel I'm in a great spot right now. Dude. I feel really comfortable to be able to go in this spot, being strong, strong will, strong minded. I know Benio's going to be tough as fuck, but I'm going in there, man. He's going to have to, he's going to get past my jab, man. Then he's going to have to get past my wrestling and then my jujitsu. But that's what I'm saying. If, 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 if there's some shit a lot, a lot of fucking what ifs. Take him as it come. I handle it like a champ. I'm preparing yeah. for more than five rounds. Yeah, we can't wait to watch it. And also, it's interesting because the division's a little bit different now as well. I mean, I'd love to get your thoughts on when you if you get a win over Ben Benil, sort of what what's next? Because when, I see, when, yeah, when, when you get when, a win, when, yeah, when you when you get a win, because obviously Nathan Nathan Diaz Nate Diaz is fighting Leon Edwards, and then you've got uh, Dustin and Connor fighting as well. That's going to be on the same card of as Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler. So there's a lot of big fights. 
in the division. I just want to get your thoughts on that. I think that there's exciting fights in the division. Um, we all know who really sold the card out. You know, I don't have to name names, but it definitely wasn't Nate's punk ass. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, seriously, just come out of nowhere like a bunch of turtles. I love it. But when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter who sold it out or what. It's awesome to be a part of a card that's actually going to fucking be exciting. So, shit talking or not, gawking or why, whatever you want to call it, the fans are going to be there. They're going to be loud as fuck. We're excited to have you guys. I know Houston's fucking excited to have you guys. Pardon my language. I gave it up, so I'm trying to still keep it cut down. I'm going to be real, though, man. I'm hungry. And um, <clears throat> 170, 155, it doesn't matter what weight. They offered me Kamaru Usman for what? Uh, shit. Chael Sonnen's SUG. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, is the belt on there? What the fuck? Yeah, that'd, that'd be absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he offered me GSP at 172, and it's just different. And then, you know, we wanted to wrestle Jordan Burroughs, and he obviously was getting ready for some stuff. And I'm, I'm game for a lot of different things. I'm an athlete, and I'm not just a single athlete. I got a lot of medals in different sports, and they're not all gold, but the right ones are. Mm. That means I'm coachable at the highest level. Being coachable at the highest level was, is really good, man. You learn how to drop the ego at the door and don't be a whiny bitch showing up that's the best thing that coach freddie roach says just show up so i put that with how what i was taught with which is don't be a whiny bitch and just show up <laughs> <laughs> i agree i agree 100 percent uh just on that on you know not being a whiny bitch i have to bring up you know the the tweet you put out where you said nathan's my bitch you mentioned the whole selling out <laughs> thing but i have to just clarify what why is that why why is nathan your bitch oh he always has it's just some shit talk. It's just some light banter, man. I got nothing against the dude. He's a good, solid dude. But when it comes down to the scrap game, it's like, come on, put him up, put him up. Yeah, it, it was crazy because, you know, Nate Diaz isn't the kind of guy to back down, neither are you. So when I saw that, I thought, well, it's going to be interesting because you guys are both on the same card. What's it going to be like, you know, when, when you're around each other? But you don't really foresee anything, you know, happening when you guys are around each other on fight week. Dude, I've been around a bunch of Dagestanis trying to surround my family. I've been around a bunch of shit in the fight game. I'm going to be even real. Even Nate trying to call my name. I was like, I held my hand up said, not now, Nate. I'm busy. And went off to an interview. <laughs> wait, wait, when, when did this happen? I don't fucking know. It was a long time ago. Like I, got, like I said, I got nothing against the kid. He's Mexican. So I got a lot of love for the dude. We just happen to be in a different division. We're different weight classes, so I shouldn't fucking trip too much. Mm. Like I said, there's plenty of pile for everybody. But it's just, it's different. You got to take an open look at it and not be so fucking greedy going after the same fucking one. Mm. And I know, I, it's different. I know, I know um, you like to have a little bit of fun with a few guys in the division. I still see that you and Khabib go back and forth on Twitter to this day. I know last time you were on here, you said, you know, that we'll was his see. Manager, bro. You know, he runs his, ba his manager, Ali Abdelaziz, runs his Twitter's accounts and there's a lot of his other associates. I mean, when is Khabib going to swear? Mm. Huh? Don't swear. So Lee Abdelaziz fucking punts him out. He fucking gave himself up. So I'm really good at this game. Mm. Do you, do you think, I know last time that you were on, you mentioned that that fight, you still feel like that fight's going to happen. I know he's retired now. Do you still have that feeling that one day before it's all said and done, that fight has to happen? Or is that something you've moved on from now? 
No, I agree that it's not something I, I, I'm agreeing that people are fucking like, oh, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter what fucking people say. As Pop said, that the fight to make is myself or Khabib. So whether it's chess, whether it's checkers, whether it's a game of cards or whatever the fuck it is, an MMA fight makes more sense because the only fight that he ever wanted was this fight. But he would have to have his shit together. He's going to have to take some time, probably have to do some peds, right, when he's on retirement. We can get stronger and do all this other shit, get off of the beds. And I don't, I'm just fucking with you. Khabib <laughs> doesn't really seem like that kind of person. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? He's, he's a good fighter when it comes down to it. He puts his reps in and he does a lot of stuff. He's doing the coaching thing, but I did the coaching thing too. The kid takes out after, I'm not saying like he looks up to me, but it's cool to be able to see these fighters. You know what I mean? It's it's different. When I started coaching, I kind of started seeing Kamar, you know, not Kamar coach, but then Khabib coach and a lot. And it's it's stepping up, dude. When you don't have, when you don't see anybody doing, and you kind of like, oh shit, then you have to just kind of fucking do it, be the leader, do it. And then proud that other people are starting to do it and take it to another level. That makes it makes you want to take it to another level. I'm a really good coach. I'm a really good trainer. I've hired some of the best people to work with me and not just hire, they, they had agreed to be able to coach me because they knew that I was coachable and that I would respect the coaching. That's a different thing, man. That's taught at a different rate. And because I don't teach a lot of people and I don't teach, you know, whenever I do teach somebody stuff, I always tell my students, say, thanks, coach, whoever. And I tell them, you know, that's, that's not humiliating, but it's, that's, that's a cool thing, man. The lineage kind of process. The more I can do that for these athletes, the more I can and do that and open my doors and kind of open my my knowledge, kind of being like and being quit being so fucking negative towards everything, kind of being like the outlook is completely different. Like check this out, yeah, I know shit's hard. Yeah, you're battling back from injury. Yeah, you're battling from all this mental stuff, all the stress and everything. You can do it, motherfucker. You can do it. Why? Put one foot in front of the other. Check it. That's called progress. So let's keep moving. You know what I mean? Love it. Love it. Very inspirational message. And I think a lot of people getting inspired just listening to this. Final question. Um. On Freddie Roach, will he actually be in the corner for you at UFC 262? What's the plan? I have no idea. Um, mm -hmm. I'm hoping so. Uh, I know that we'll be taken care of a lot. I know that he, he has I – mean, I trust a lot of my trainers there, man. It's hard for me to be able to get my hands wrapped by anybody. I'm going to be real, guys. Uh, for the last what, 10 years, I've had my hands wrapped by one, two, three, maybe four people. And I had an 86 one person now because I thought they were fucking with my hand right before the fight. So I had an 86 and request another first person. Which which fight was this? It was completely... I don't, dude. I don't remember. It don't even matter. Mm -hmm. But that's what I'm saying. Like, like that's It was just boom, boom, really quick. If I would have let it bother me, you know, whatever. But no, man. We, like I said, it was always been like Stitch or my, my coach Haas. Stitch. House. And there was one time a uh, dude named Tenacity that was in there. And then uh, Coach Riley. I forgot my hand wraps and then wild card, he grabbed my hands. And it's a different thing when somebody wraps your hands. You can tell. If it's a shitty hand wrap, you don't really give a fuck. Yeah. It's a good you feel the power as soon as your hand is wrapped like that. Oh man, you can feel the power. It was completely different. So for me to to uh, not allow that, but as a fighter, I'm 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 allowing myself to be, you know, to be trusting my coaches a little bit more, which is cool because it's hard. It's really fucking hard. You know, going from, you know, my coaches, like from throwing sand, it's not a bad thing. Nobody else knew what the, you know, what the next follow-up move was. Hmm. When, it, when it comes to a lot of that, people are going to clown and it's not getting hurt on it. And, have, and having that backbone, that strong enough backbone to battle through that shit. And I did it for 
I don't know how many rounds in the Gaethje fight, and even fucking going through the Oliveira fight, demonstrating that, you know, the breathing exercises with my arm and knowing that I had the faith to be able to battle through that, that, that went in the training. I, I trained for five hours for Oliveira on jiu-jitsu because of COVID and of, of limited ability for people, and just it was just crazy just dealing with certain shit, dude. And during fight week, we were supposed to meet up with my jiu-jitsu team, and we didn't even get a chance to. Wow, so because, only uh, f- only five hours leading into the fight is how much you were able to do jiu-jitsu going into that fight. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Whoa. And I'm going to be real. Yeah, so and that's how when I start thinking about my, my reps and I start thinking about other shit, it's not smart. I, you know, don't listen. I'm a black belt when it comes to it. And that's what I knew going into this, that my, my, my training with 10 Planet and how confident I was to be able to just, you know, keep the back to the mat and understand where I was. And I waited for three rounds for that Dars. And if my arm was, I, I can't, you know, I'm not going to use an excuse, but I keep thinking about it. And I have the screenshot on my, on my phone of me hitting the Dars on him. And it slipped out because I didn't go full Dars like I did on Edson Barbosa. I doubted myself because of my arm. And I should have went for it. And I didn't drill it and I didn't rep it enough. But I waited, I'm patient like a fish, man, like a fishing. I went out there, and that dude rushed it. That's why I say in the confidence, talking about those rounds, hopefully they do, you know what I mean? I got overly excited in the fight and lost my footing. And like I said, I'm glad I lost my fight. But, you know, when he was trying to be like, oh, you know, thank you for the fight. And he said, I told him I'll see you soon, dude. So I grabbed him by the lat, and I walked him around the cage. And I didn't fucking be like, oh, yeah, you beat me. No, motherfucker. What? Because people say you dominate because they don't understand jujitsu. And because they don't understand MMA in Mount, right? Am I really worried about him passing my guard and everything? No, fuck no. You saw this with Kevin Holland, right? He flipped off off the cage. There's a 100% to like 90% escape rate off of the cage rather than an open fucking like, you know, back cake or an armbar 50-50. You're doing the math right then and there. Mm-hmm. I, I, feel, I, I feel like he's someone where no matter what happens, he's someone that you'd like, you'd like to sort of rematch before it's all said and done. And be able to put in a proper well, camp. That, that goes into it with any athlete. Obviously, when you have losses, I'm going to be real. You can't dwell too much on losses. You learn from them and you figure out what the fuck happened. After the fight, I immediately went to the draw. I, I, I went back to the hotel and started hitting mitts or tie pads and trying to figure it out. I ended up firing one of my cornermen because he big lead one of my under guys. It was crazy because he ended up taking spot when he wasn't supposed to. And, and going in the second round, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing in here? It wasn't the plan, you know what I mean? And it sucked. This is one of my guys I count on the most, but, you know, rules are rules. So, I mean, maybe we'll be able to work again and things, but that's how, and going in the second round, man, I was winning that one, you know, going into, except for the fucking illegal kick. But what are you going to do? I didn't see his knee on the ground. I didn't mean it. But you have to take it. You could get mad. Going in there too, man. Like, and his, hand, his hands ended up in my eyes, right? It was funny, right? And, he, and he, he had an opportunity to be able to gouge a little bit more or let it go, and he did, and he didn't gouge, and he moved, and I was, I was like, oh, that's cool. And I was in the same situation where I was on bottom putting my hands right there, and my hands went in there, and I didn't mean it, and I was like, oh, shit, my bad. And he was like, that's cool. And it was a really fun match for me. I found, I, I had found from all the damage I took in the Gaethje fight mm-hmm. and from the arm damage that I took in the Oliveira fight, I had found my love for the sport again immediately in that fight and i went to the drawing boards and i started hitting and, and the one thing was is you can't convince anybody that you know exactly what to do to fucking go and win until you fight again 
But I'm glad of where I'm at. I'm glad of the people that are showing up. I'm really glad for my fucking family, my faith, and my supporters, faith, family, friends. <clears throat> if it wasn't for my supporters, shit, this would be a lot harder. So it doesn't have to be the likes and retweets and all that stuff. It's just everybody just taking a peek, you know what I mean? Mm. And then going out there and actually doing that stuff. So props to that, UFC 262. Benil Dariush, I'm coming after you. <laughs> Man, I feel like it, it, it's the perfect note to end on in this interview, Tony, and I promise we'll let you go. I just have one more because they destroy us if we didn't ask. You know, with all the back and forth that you guys have had over the years, how curious are you about the outcome of uh, Connor and Dustin 3, and how do you see that one going, Tony? I don't care. When it comes to that kind of stuff with Connor, it's a shit show. But he's keeping the show alive, too. With the, it takes more than one person. So you got Dustin, myself, yeah, Khabib. We're just doing our part to make sure that, that so the fans are out there getting what they want, which is entertainment. Mm. Uh, it's an entertainment industry. You have, like, Cirque du Soleil. Think about this. Cirque du Soleil, right? Mm. How many different kinds of acts are there? There's heaps. There's a <laughs> lot. There's, one, there's, like, one a year. Right? And they're all different. They're all special in their own mindset. Does it take away from the value from each of them? It's just different. So in this approach where Connor and Dustin are doing the thing, that's good for them. They even have one with Diaz, right? And they have, yeah, man, me and fucking Gaethje could have another fight. I mean, seriously, we, could, we can make all those fights. What's going to sell is people showing up. That's what's going to show. People showed up with a, within 2020. You know, we got sports back on where other sports started to get back in it which is cool. So MMA, mixed martial arts, and UFC is where it's at. And a lot of these other, these other brands, and I don't have to talk too much on them because, you know, I work for the UFC. It's cool to see the jobs out there that athletes can actually go out there and count on these promoters to be able to like, have a workplace for us. You got to understand that. So it takes balls to be able to do what we do inside that octagon, motherfuckers. So uh, understand <laughs> that one. Man, I'm, I'm excited. It is Tony Ferguson yeah. versus Benil Dariush on May 16th. It's going to be the, sorry, May 15th. It's going to be the 16th in Australia and New Zealand because of the time difference at UFC 262. Finally, with a full crowd. I can't wait. Follow the man on social media at Tony Ferguson XT. And of course, championshipmerch.com. Check out the Tony Ferguson NFTs, which go on sale 7 p.m. Eastern on April 15th, which is going to be a sweet 9 a.m. in Australia on the 16th. Always a pleasure uh, chatting with you, Tony. Appreciate your time and uh, wishing you nothing but the best, man, on uh, on May 15th. Thank you. Excellent, man. Hey, you know the drill. Just make sure you follow me on my way. Uh, Tony Ferguson XT on IG and that little tweet thingy. Badass. Cheers, gentlemen. 